0: Isn't it wonderful to be in the house of the Lord this morning, amen? I'm just telling you, we as believers in Jesus Christ have more to look forward to than a lost and a dying world. We have the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Well, if you have your Bible, I want you to take them today and turn with me in Joshua chapter 3. Joshua chapter 3, we're going to read uh, all 17 verses. I know that's a little lengthy, but uh, I think for the uh, purpose of the message today, we need to read that. And let me just say this to you, if you are watching online today, Happy New Year. We're thankful that you have tuned in, and we pray the Holy Spirit of God will turn you on. And uh, we're looking forward to seeing what God's going to do today. And Pastor, I know that you're watching, and I want to just say to you that we love you. We're thankful that you have an opportunity to spend some time with your family. And we look forward to you being back in the pulpit next week. And we're thankful for you and your family. We love you most dearly. Well I want to begin reading in Joshua chapter 3 beginning in verse 1. Then Joshua rose early in the morning and they set out from Ecclesia Grove and came to the Jordan. He and all the children of Israel and lodged there before they crossed over. So it was after three days that the officers went through the camp. They commanded the people saying, when you see the ark of the covenant of your Lord and the priests and the Levites carrying it Then you shall set out from your place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you, about 2,000 cubits by measure. Let me just say about how far that is. That's about the length of 10 football fields. If you want to know how far that is, do look it up. It's about the length of 10 football fields. Do not come near it, that you may know the way by which you must go. For you have not passed this way before I would underline that phrase right there, you have not passed this way before. And Joshua said to the people, sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Then Joshua spoke to the priests, saying, take up the ark of the covenant and cross over before the people. So they took up the ark of the covenant and went before the people. And the Lord said to Joshua, this day I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. You shall command the priest who bear the Ark of the Covenant, saying, When you have come to the edge of the water of the Jordan, you shall stand in the Jordan. So Joshua said to the children of Israel, Come here and hear the words of the Lord your God. Joshua said, By this you shall know that the living God is among you and that he will without fail drive out. From before you, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Pezrites, the Geshurites, the Amorites, the Jebusites, and I'm sure all the termites that are in there. <laughs> Lodites. Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth is crossing over before you into the Jordan. Now therefore, take for yourselves twelve men from the tribes of Israel, one man from every tribe, And it shall come to pass as soon as the soles of the feet of the priest who bear the Ark of the Covenant, the Lord of all the earth shall rest in the waters of the Jordan, that the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off, the waters that come down from upstream, and they shall stand at the heat. Verse 14, so it was. I would underline that. So it was. When the people set out from their camp to cross over the Jordan, with the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people. And as those who bore the Ark came to the Jordan, and the feet of the priest who bore the Ark dipped in the edge of the water, for the Jordan overflows all its bank during the whole time of harvest. The waters were overflowing. The rains had come. The river was not at normal height. And so it was going to be more difficult, to say the least, in the mind of man but when it came to the mind of God, it was no problem whatsoever. That the waters which came down from upstream stood still and rose in a heap very far away at Adam, the city that is beside Zatern. So the waters that went down into the sea of Abra, to the salt sea, failed and were cut off, and the people crossed over opposite Jericho. Then the priest who bore the ark of the covenant of the Lord stern, stood firm. On dry ground in the midst of the Jordan and all, I want you to understand that, all Israel, all Israel crossed over on dry ground until all the priests had crossed completely over, or all the people had crossed over completely over the Jordan. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for the reality and the truths of your word. We thank you for the reality of the promises being fulfilled And, Father, we thank you today as we begin a new year. We see people in your word who are crossover people, people who were willing to obey you and follow you. And as a result of that, you did great and wonderful things. You did wonders beyond the mind of man that stirred the hearts of people and gave them a faith and a promise and a surety of tomorrow. And we pray, Father, as crossover people standing here at the precipice of a new year, We will stay focused and we will follow you and we'll look forward to seeing what you're going to do that will honor the name above all names and it's in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ we pray, amen. When we think about the new year, we think about the word new. New is one of those words most oftentimes that finds a welcome at our heart's door. And usually, most of the times, it brings a smile to our face. I want you to consider, if you will, that new has Different meanings for different people consider children for example children who have just celebrated Christmas the birth of our Savior the Lord Jesus Christ those that are in here today I'm sure received something that was new and if it was a child maybe you received a new football can I get a witness maybe you received a new truck Maybe if you were a teenager, hopefully you received the keys to a new car. Would that not be wonderful? Amen and amen. And it might not be brand new off the lot, but it would be new to you. And then as adults, new means something to us. As we begin the new year, new could be a new job. It could begin a new relationship. It could be the birth of a new child. But I'm telling you, when we think of the word new, new has different meanings for different people. And we think about God, God is the giver of many wonderful new things. Matter of fact, he is the God of new beginnings. You see, we stand at the door of another new beginning. A new year that's filled with opportunities and possibilities. Think about it, if you will. On the precipice of 12 new months, 52 new weeks, 365 new days, 8,760 new hours, 525,000 new minutes, 31,536,000 new seconds, each one of which is God's gift to us. New Year's Day provides with us a crossover moment. And here we are, New Year's Day, an opportunity to step out in faith, to step out of our comfort zone, to step out into a new beginning. You see, crossover times can be caused by all sorts of challenges. For example, crossover times can be a challenge because of death. Every day since the day after Christmas, except for today, Donna and I have either been at a funeral, a funeral home, or in the home of someone who has just passed away. Her family has experienced a crossover with the death of a first cousin and the death of her uncle, which was buried yesterday. So death brings crossover moments. I'll tell you another uh, circumstance that brings crossover moments, that is divorce. Divorce can bring crossover moments and their difficulty. Another one can be discouragement. Sometimes when we get discouraged, it's hard to move on and move in the will and the ways of God because of discouragement. But I'm telling you, with all the different circumstances that are around us, with everything that's in front of us, we have to realize that there is an opportunity. And yes, there are obstacles, but we have the Lord Jesus Christ who is greater than all. Amen? So when I look at this passage of Scripture, let's think about what the children of Israel had been facing. For 40 years, they had been wandering in the wilderness. They had come to the Jordan before at Kadesh Barnea. The spies were sent out. And they came back and gave a report. Only two, Joshua and Caleb, gave a positive report. He said, oh, yeah, the obstacles are plenty. But I'm telling you, the opportunity is incredible. And our God has promised this to us. So let's be faithful and cross over and claim what God has in store for us. Well, you know the story. They didn't do that. They rebelled. They were afraid of fear. You see, you can be afraid of fear, and when you're afraid of fear, fear then begins to cripple and causes you and I to no longer seek and walk forward, but to stand still and many times back up. And so the children of Israel had backed up, and they had wandered around. I mean, their journey had been long, but now here they are. They're back at the Jordan. Moses has died. Joshua has been put in place. He has realized the vision because he was one of the spies that had crossed over. He knew what was there. He knew that God was able. And so now God was going to use him in an incredible, credible way. It was time for them to cross over, and they had to decide what they were going to do. I'm here to tell you today, church, we're at the beginning of a new year. It is going to be a time to cross over in many different ways as a church. And we've got to decide whether or not we're going to go with God or we're going to be satisfied and stay right where we are. And I'm telling you, if Moses had a crossed over, he would have experienced everything God had for that generation. And if you and I are willing to cross over and do it God's way, we're going to see the blessings and have all the opportunities in front of us to see what God can only do. And so we think about, David, what is it that gives them the characteristics of crossover people? What would identify them today if you were to look at them and say, yep, that's a crossover group of people. Well, I want to give you five things this morning. I've got my watch on. I'm going to go ahead and tell you. I started to wear the one I've been wearing. I looked at it yesterday, and it was a quarter till 11 all day long and all night long. I want you to know I took that watch off. I've got this other one here. It works, but I'm going to go ahead and tell you something, Scott. It don't mean a thing. Amen and amen. So let's look at the five characteristics that we'll find here when we think about crossover people. How is it that God needs to look at us and see us in the characteristics that we need to be if we're going to follow them? Well, they're very clear here in the Word of God. The first thing that we notice if we're going to be crossover people is this. The children of Israel had to be focused. They had to be focused. Look with me, if you will, again back at verse 3. It says in verse 3, And they commanded the people, saying, When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priests and the Levites bearing it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. You say, David, what is it that caused them to be focused? Here's what Joshua had told them to do. He said to keep your eyes on the ark and follow it. All they had to do was to look and to follow. That was their job. They had to look on the eye, keep their eyes on the ark, and follow it through the Jordan River into their new beginnings. Well, what is it about this Ark of the Covenant? Now, let me just say this to you. Time's not going to permit me to give you everything about the Ark of the Covenant, but I want to just describe it here just for a little bit, because I want you to know the Ark of the Covenant was a type, it was a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so the Ark of the Covenant was an oblong box made out of wood. It had a slab of gold over the top of it. There were two gold cherubim with their wings over it touching one another called the Mercy Seat. Inside of that box, we know that there was the tablets that contained the laws given to Moses. We know that also there was the pot of manna and then there was Aaron's rod that was budding. What we also know about this is that the Ark of the Covenant was placed in the tabernacle as they journeyed? We also know that the Ark of the Covenant was eventually placed in the temple in Jerusalem. He said, David, what was the significance on the Ark of the Covenant? On the high holy day of atonement, God, with a Shekinah cloud of glory, would come into the holy of holies, signifying to the people that forgiveness was at hand. The holy God was present, and the blood needed to be shed. And so we understand that was atonement day. I thank God we don't have to worry about another atonement day. First Peter 3.18 says, For Christ Jesus has also once suffered for sin, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God. I'm here to tell you today that when we are focused on the Lord Jesus Christ and we follow him, I'm telling you, we are to go into new beginnings. I find it very interesting that the Bible says it had been in the midst of them, but now it was going to be leading them. Here's what I know about every believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. The moment that we, and you and I, repent of sin and by faith receive Christ by grace, we receive the Holy Spirit of God living within us. Now the Holy Spirit of God living within us you and I choose whether or not we want to allow him to lead us, and we have to choose whether we want to follow him. You see the difference between a victorious Christian and a non-victorious Christian. Now, don't you miss this. Some of you are going to get set free, and you're going to have a victorious 2023. When you and I choose to allow the Holy Spirit of God and the Word of God to, To direct our lives and we follow it, He leads our life, then we celebrate victory in Jesus. You say, David, what happens to some of us? Well, we know the Holy Spirit of God is there, but what we do is we say, Now, Holy Spirit, don't you get out of hand over here. I just want you to sit over here for a little bit, and when I need you, I'll call on you. Now, that's not what the Spirit of God wants to do. The Spirit of God not only came to take up residence. Bless God in our hearts. He ought to be president. Amen. Yeah. And so the Holy Spirit of God, the Ark of the Covenant, was to lead them. And before this day, he was in the midst. But now, he was going to be leading them in a new day. And I find it very interesting that in the Scripture, it tells them to keep this distance of about 10 football fields. Have you ever wondered why? Here's the reason why. If they got too crowded to the Ark of the Covenant and too close, then they could not see the direction that the Ark was going in. Every day on my cattle farm, I count my cows. And if I want to count them correctly, I have to get off at a distance. I have to get up a little above them so I can count every one of them. If I get too close to them, I can't see the direction they're going. I want to tell you something. When the Ark of the Covenant moved, they were to move. When the Ark stopped, They were to stop, but the only way they could follow was to stay focused and keep their eyes on the Ark of the Covenant. I was going to do a a, a training done at Bruton Parker College a few years ago. Uh, We were taking a team from the Institute of Church Growth. There were three carloads of us. Uh, I had a car uh, that was just like the car of another individual that was following me. The trouble with her was, she didn't know that my car evidently had Georgia plates. And there was another car that we passed just like mine who had Texas plates. And so what that individual did for about an hour and a half, they went down I-16 towards Savannah thinking they were following me. You ever done that before? And by the way, if you're following, you ought to keep close contact with who's leading. Amen? And so all of a sudden, I get a phone call and says, where are you? I said, "Well, I'm right here at Bruton Parker, I've been waiting on you. Where are you? She said, I've been following a car just like yours with Texas plates. I'm, all, I'm almost in Savannah, Georgia. Watch this. What had happened, what would have happened if the children of Israel had taken their eyes off the Ark of the Covenant? Here's what would happen. They had walked the a little ways, and they were too close to see where it went. And someone would say, well, uh, which way did the ark go? And someone would say, "Well, I don't know. I was following you." And you would say, "Well, well, I don't know. I was following someone else." My friend, let me go ahead and tell you something. When you have a choice to follow the Lord Jesus Christ, you always choose to follow Him. And so, the ark of the covenant—they had to stay focused. They had to keep their eyes on Him. He is the one that provides the path through whatever a new year may hold. For you and I as individual and for us as a church, he is the one we must follow. So the first characteristics, if we're going to be crossover people, is we must be focused. Number two, we must be flexible. We must be flexible. Notice what it says there in in verse 4 at the end of it. Do not come near it that you may know the way by which you must go. For you have not passed this way before. You know what he's saying there? You better be flexible. You better be flexible. In other words, you better not oppose change. Here they were for 40 years roaming around in their misery. Now they were fixing to go over to the promised land. It was going to create a great change. And for you and I, many of us, we're opposed to change. How many of you like change? Let's see your hands. How many of you are sitting about where you normally sit every Sunday morning? Let's see your hands. Yeah, that's what I thought. You don't like change. i tell you right now, when people are uh, challenged to change, sometimes they get a little irate. Amen? They really do. We were in a conference at a church not far from here, and uh, we were sitting there. I was leading that conference. It was a Sunday school conference, and uh, there was a couple with us that were going to be in that conference. They had sat down on this row, and on, uh, as they sat there, and I was sitting about three seats from them, there was a couple that came and they stood at the end of the row and they kept staring at that couple, staring at that couple. Finally, the man looked up and he said, Sir, can I help you? And the woman that was with him spoke up and said, Yeah, you can get out of our seats. He said, Well, I'm sorry. I didn't know I was in your seats. She said, If you'd looked at the end of the pew, you would have seen our name on them. Change. When change comes, some of you are going to have to give up your parking spot. When change comes, some of you are going to have to give up where you sit. When change comes, you're going to have to serve in a capacity you probably thought you never would. When change comes, it means when we go to one worship, it's going to be at a different hour. When change comes, it means we're going to be in one study School on campus. It's going to be at a different hour. Some of you are going to be in a different space with a different place and you're going to have to look at a different face. Change is coming. It was coming to Israel because they had to cross over into the promised land. And so, in other words, you need to be flexible. Have you ever thought about this, for example, that Jesus Christ changes things? He changes everything. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 5, 17, if Christ Jesus being a new man, he is a new creature. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. You think about how he changes things through the new birth. He gives you a new heart. He gives you a new hope. Think about this, if you will. We receive a new covenant with a new commandment. And then consider this. We're given a new promise, a new peace, and a new place called heaven for those that know him. Amen? I'm telling you, when you think about the new birth, when you think about the Lord Jesus Christ, he changes things. He changes our eternity he changed when the early church, after the ascension of the Lord Jesus Christ, they began to worship on a different day, the first day of the week. That's why we worship on the first day of the week today. He's not dead. Praise God. He's alive forevermore. Amen. And so we worship on a different day. We worship in a different way. We don't bring goats and bullets and to shed the blood on another offering. Praise God. We had a sacrifice once and for all. Amen. His name is Jesus Christ. Yeah. And so we understand the Lord Jesus Christ it changes everything. And when you and I are crossover people, we don't need to be afraid of change. You see, crossover people face the unknown even when they have not passed that way before. In other words, the Baptist motto is, we ain't never done it that way before. I got news for you. When it comes to following the Lord Jesus Christ, there's always going to be change because change requires our faith, Amen. So we see here that crossover people are focused. Crossover people are flexible. Number three, crossover people are faithful. They are faithful. Look with me, if you will, at the first part of verse 5. And Joshua said to the people, Sanctify yourselves. Joshua said, Sanctify yourself." As we enter into a new year, this is a call to commitment. To commit ourselves, to stay pure in mind to stay pure in our motives, and to stay pure in our morals. He said we're to sanctify yourself. What is he saying, David? He is saying that you are, you and I are to set ourselves apart. This new year gives you and I a fresh opportunity to set ourselves apart from the world and to recommit ourselves to the Lord Jesus Christ in faithfulness. Listen, friend, we don't need a new year's resolution we need a new commitment to the resurrected Lord. Yeah. And that's what Joshua is saying to his people. He says, sanctify yourselves. Set your set apart. Be holy for God. Now, when we think about this process or this word sanctification, let me read to you what 1 Corinthians 6.11 says. It says, you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. When you think about the word sanctification being set apart, this word right here really involves two things. There is positional sanctification, and then there is the sanctification called progressive sanctification. Now watch me. Look at this. Don't miss this. When you look at this word sanctified in the Greek, it is in the aorist tense. It means something that happened in the past. It has already occurred. It never needs to happen again. It is also in the passive voice, which means God did it. In other words, the day that you and I repent of our sins and by faith receive the Lord Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit comes to live what's inside of us, we are made holy by the righteousness of God, and He has set us apart for Him. Amen? You can't do it. I can't do it. I can't change it. He did it, and praise God, we don't have to worry about it. We just get to rejoice in it, amen? That is positional sanctification. Progressive sanctification is when you and I decide to be obedient to the Word of God, the will of God, and we are more conformed into the image of Christ. That is progressional sanctification. We would call that our walk with God. We would call that our devotional time with God. Let me go ahead and tell you what it really is. It's obedience to God. That's what it is. And we begin to change and we begin to be set apart even more as we walk. Have you ever heard that saying, uh, Happy New Year? Pray that you have a happy, healthy, prosperous New Year. You ever heard that before? Boy, my dad used to say that. When I got saved, God gave me another one. He said, I want you to be happy. I want you to be healthy, but I'd rather you just be holy. And then when God gave that to me, I thought to myself, man, that's exactly the way it needs to be because I won't be happy until I'm holy, set apart, walking with God. And so we understand here that they had to be faithful. And so as we enter this new year, we need to be sanctified by the Lord Jesus Christ, not only because of what he's done, but because of what we do as we walk In fellowship with him. Let me ask you something. What do you think happened when this crowd began to sanctify themselves? Set apart. Be holy. I'm going to tell you what they did. It means they got right with God. It means to get right with God. It means to come before him. To bear our sins before him. To confess them. To allow him to forgive us as we ask him to. To repent of that. Let him cleanse us. And I'm going to go ahead and tell you, when you get right with God, the very first thing that's going to happen is you're going to want to get right with others. When you get right with God, you're going to get right with others. You know what happened with this crowd? I'm telling you, when they sanctified themselves, when they got right with God, there was the air of love begin to flow around that camp. They chose to love people. They chose to forgive people. They chose to rejoice with what others were rejoicing in. And I'm telling you right now, when the dam of unforgiveness begins to break and the waters of bitterness begin to flow and the life-filling of forgiveness begins to flow in, there is an excitement, there is a joy. I'm telling you, God does something that only God can do. And when you get right with God, revival begins to take place in your heart. He you said, David, how often can you experience that? How often are you willing to come before God and get right with God? That's right. How often are you willing to go but to someone and say, I need you to forgive me? How often are you willing to choose to forgive others? I'm telling you right now, be faithful. Just be faithful. So this group of people, yes, they were very much focused. They were absolutely flexible. They were willing to become crossover. They were absolutely going to be willing to be faithful. And not only number four was this, they were futuristic. They were futuristic. Look with me, if you will, in the last part of verse 5. Let me read that to you. Joshua said to the people, sanctify yourselves. And here it is. For tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. The Lord will do wonders among you. You know what he was really saying? Start believing in tomorrow. Start believing in tomorrow. On the eve of this new year, we need to start believing in tomorrow. Israel had something to look forward to. They had a hope that they had forgotten about. In the past, they had not done exactly what God had wanted them to do. And so they didn't understand all that God had for them. But now they were ready to do what God wanted them to do. And they were really to be Futuristic. You see, Philippians three thirteen, Paul said it this way. This one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and reaching forth to that which is before me, I press toward the mark for the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. You know what he's saying here? You need to forget the past, and you need to move on to the future. Here's how I put it. Quit driving in the rearview mirror. Quit driving in the rearview mirror. In other words, cease living in the past and move forward. You see, let the visions and hopes of tomorrow be more present and important than the past. You see, here are the children of Israel. They had wonderful memories of the great miracles that God had done. Yes, they had come out of the Red Sea. They had done that. There was the manna that was provided. There was the pillar of fire. There was the cloud by day. God had done all these miracles, and they knew every one of them and it would have been easy for them just to settle along and reminisce with one another and say, look at all that God's done, but never become crossover people. Sometimes we had rather just think about the memories of the past and not look forward to the future, what God has in store for us. In other words, he told them tomorrow is you're a crossover people. You better believe in tomorrow because tomorrow's coming. And we have a choice to make, either to cross over, keep our eyes focused on God, or to stay where you are. In other words, what God is simply saying, you can experience everything I have in store for you. Yes, it is an opportunity. Yes, there are going to be some obstacles. Yes, there's going to be some mysteries that you don't understand as you move forward. You'll ask why. But if you'll follow me, you're going to cross over and you're going to see all that I can do. Crossover people trust that tomorrow the Lord will work wonders among them. It is very dangerous in the t- life of a believer, in the life of the church, when the memories of yesterday are more important than the visions of tomorrow. It's dangerous. Look, folks, I could re- just recollect since I've been here for 17 years all that God is doing. How we left the old church, how we didn't have but about 180 in Sunday school, how we came over here into this one building. Had to go to two Sunday schools, one worship, two worships, two Sunday schools, three Sunday schools, three worships. I can tell you all those. Are y'all okay with that? But I'm telling you, God just reminds us of the past so that we'll move forward with him in the future. That's what they had to be mindful of. I mean, let's think about it. The giants were there. Joshua had told the truth and so had Caleb. They were there. And by the way, they were crossing in front of Jericho. But there's one thing we know. Nothing is too great for our God. Nothing is impossible with him. And so he said to be futuristic. You better be faithful. You better be flexible. And you best better be focused. And last one, here it is. I'm going to be through. Let's see if I'm close on my watch. Yeah, I can't read it, but yeah, I'm close. (laughs) Last one. Here's what he said Be fearless. Be fearless. The Israelites now had a leader they could trust. Now, watch this. I want you to look with me in verse 7. And the Lord said to Joshua, This day I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. What was God saying to Joshua? He's saying, Joshua, you're going to be the leader. You're going to be the one that's going to lead the children of Israel across the Jordan. I'm going to give you the instructions, and because of your passion, And your love for me and your obedience to me, it's going to be contagious. And I'm telling you right now what's going to happen. The priests are going to do what you ask them to do. The children of Israel are going to do what I ask them to do. Because you are going to be the one that's going to set the example for me. You see, when we think about leadership, when we think about being fearless leader, here's some things that they knew about Joshua. Number one, he could be trusted. Joshua could be trusted. He was God's man. Verse 7 says that God just said, I'm fixing to exalt you. In other words, I'm fixing to put you in a place where you're going to be, that people know that you look at me, you walk with me, you trust me, and your whole desire is to please me. That's the kind of man I'm looking for. And when they see you follow me, they're going to follow you. That's what he said. And so there was leadership that could be trusted because he was God's man. Also because, watch this, don't miss this. Joshua provided a vision, not just a need. Joshua provided a vision, not just a need. God's Word's very clear. Without a vision, my people shall perish. There's a vision that Joshua could give them. They had many needs, but what they needed was a vision. And I'm here to tell you, I thank God for our pastor. I'm telling you, my pastor didn't write this sermon, but when I got to thinking about how God is using him to lead us as a church and the vision that he is bringing before us, I'm telling you right now, church, let me tell you something. He's passionate about that vision that God has given him. He is leading in that example. And because of his faithfulness and his leadership, he is leading an example that should cause you and I not only to be faithful leaders but to be faithful followers. Do you know what happened when Joshua set forth? Do you know what happened when the children of Israel saw that the priests took up the Ark of the Covenant and they moved forward to the Jordan? They began to move. As the ark moved, they began to move. And then when the priests got to the edge of the waters and their souls began to touch the waters, the boat, listen, it didn't say they touched the ground in the bottom of the river. It just said when they touched the waters, then the waters begin to back up. And when the waters began to back up, the ground began to dry. I wonder how God dried that. No, I don't. I want you to know when God dried that river, here every person, the Bible says, not three-fourths of them, not seven-eighths of them, but all of them passed over on dry ground. Say, hey, David, what's, what's, what are you trying to say to us? Well, when we think about leadership and the command of followership, here's two things that a leader can choose to do. Here it is. Leaders can, number one, be proactive or they can be Reactive. Proactive means you're going to move forward regardless of the circumstances because this is what God tells you to do. Or you can be reactive and put out fires all the days of your life and never move forward with God whatsoever. As individuals, we choose to do that every morning when we get up and have our time with the Lord Jesus Christ. We are proactive because we want a daily walk with Him. Or we're reactive because when things get bad, we decide we might better dial God up and see where he's at because we need him today. No, dear friend, leaders are proactive. They seek the will of God. They choose the will of God, and they follow the will of God. You said David, is Joshua still speaking today? He sure is. Joshua's still speaking today. Joshua says, go forward by being focused, by being flexible, By being faithful, by being futuristic, and by being fearless. He said, David, what is Joshua really saying? Joshua is simply telling you and I, as we keep our eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ, to trust those that God has placed around us. We're to follow the man of God. We're to go after God's man. So here we are. We're standing at the precipice of a new year. You and I have to decide whether or not we're going to accept the new opportunities and the new possibilities. Yet we have never crossed this way before. So we have to decide what we're going to do. How shall we face it individually and how shall we face it as a church? Individually, Joshua had accepted what God had told him to do. And he had shared that with the priest, with 12 other men, a man from each tribe. They had gone and shared it with the children of Israel. And the Bible says when the priest took up the Ark of the Covenant and they began to move toward the Jordan, an obstacle which became an opportunity for God to do something great. Then they began to move as the Ark moved. And I'm saying to you and I today, when we think about the Lord Jesus Christ, this is a crossover moment for many people in here today. For some of you, this is a crossover moment for the new birth. You have never repented of your sin. You have never, by faith, received Christ Jesus as your Savior. Today is a crossover day. John would say it in chapter 5, verse 24, it's a day to cross over from death death unto life. The new birth brings new life. It's also a crossover day for obedience. Some of you sitting in this room today have never ever been obedient to be baptized even though there are 26 scriptures in the New Testament telling you and I once we receive Christ as Savior, we're to identify with Him publicly in His death, burial, and resurrection by being baptized. Some of you, it's going to be a crossover day. You're going to choose to be obedient to come to Christ. Not only will it be a crossover day for the new birth for some of you, not only will it be a crossover day of obedience for some of you because you need to be baptized, but it will also be a crossover day for some of you to come and say, I've been coming to this church. I know this is a church where God wants me to be, and I want to come and be a part of this church. Today is a crossover day. You need to come and see me. And let me answer some questions about our church so you can have church membership in this body of believers. And then there's one more crossover time. The Lord has laid on His heart for some of you to serve in a particular capacity. And you've been rejecting that. Today is a crossover day, a new beginning. Today is a day that you can choose to say, Yes, Lord. I know what you're wanting me to do, and I'm not going to reject that anymore. I'm not going to sit on the other side of the Jordan and look over and just see what it could be. I'm going to step out in faith. I'm going to, listen, I'm going to put my, wa- my feet in the waters of faith, and I'm going to walk and trust you and allow you to do with me what you want me to do. Today's crossover day. Many of you need to do this last one. Here's the last one. Invitation. I'm giving it now. Here it is. Today's crossover day for some of you. You're going to need to choose to forgive somebody you've done made up in your mind and your heart that you would never, ever forgive. I don't know why I'm saying this one. This one is not in my notes. I'm I'm going to be honest with you. God didn't allow me to write this one down. If he had I might not have shared it. Church, I'm telling you. If we want to have revival, if we want to see God do great and glorious things, we have got to choose to live free and not under the bondage of unforgiveness, when we can see people's lives restored back to a holy, righteous God. Today's crossover day. The altars are going to be open. I'm going to be standing down front. If you need to come to receive Christ, crossover day for salvation, you come. If you need to come because it's a crossover day for obedience, you come. If it's crossover day because this is the place where God wants you to serve, this is your new home, then you come. Today is crossover day. It's the beginning of a new year. Don't you lose one second of it. You give all of it to the glory of God. Let's pray. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. I've already shared the way of invitation. When I was a 12-year-old boy, I wanted to receive the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior. I knew I was a sinner, but I didn't know what to do. The preacher that day, this is not against any preacher, that preacher that day said, come forward. He took me by the hand and said, why have you come? I said, but I want to be saved. He said, that's great. You come right over and sit down in this chair. The lady got off the pen and filled out a card. and They asked me to come back the next week, and I got baptized. want you to hear me I've been asked David why do you give people a chance to receive Christ where they're setting here it is because if I had received Christ because I knew how to receive Christ when I was 12 years old I wouldn't have had to wait 15 years to realize what I had done was not what the Bible says to do God's Word says if you be willing to repent of your sin and by faith receive Christ into your heart John 1 12 but as many as received him to them gave them the right to become the children of God, even to them that believe upon His name. If you're willing to receive Him by faith today, then you can have a crossover moment. You can become a crossover person to the new birth of Jesus Christ. You say, David, is that true? Is that real? If it's not, I'll quit preaching, and I'll take my Bible and never open it again. But I'm a living testimony of a changed life that Jesus Christ will change you if you come to him, and he'll give you a new hope and a promise of a new tomorrow. And my Bible says he makes all things new. And so I'm going to be here. You need to be baptized. Crossover moment. We'll come, you come. We'll set up a time at a later date. We'll get all the details worked out. We'll set that up. You need to come and become a part of this church. You come. I'm going to ask Lee to sing. Now, listen to me. I don't give long invitations. I believe when the Spirit of God moves, we move. As the ark moved, they moved. As the Spirit of God's moving, you move. And if you move, we're going to keep on until no one moves anymore. But if no one moves, then the invitation's going to be over. So when I pray, I'm going to ask you to stand. We're going to stand. Lee's going to sing. And as the Spirit of God's moving, you move. Father, we love you. Have your will and your way in this invitation. Move, Father, as only you can. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.